Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. So there are, there are two different types of massage. And depending on which type, you're going to want to get it right from the beginning, aren't you? There's always the relaxation type of massage, and then there's the remedial massage. You know the differences that I'm talking about? There's the barley, bells and smells type massage, nice music, soft music, chill stuff. There's the other one where someone inflicts pain upon you uh, that you just don't think is human at times. Anyone ever been a part of those massages? Yeah, great. Um, Terribly important to get right. Because uh, for, for me, the first time I got it wrong was uh, there is a relaxation type place at the Macquarie Centre where I go up from time to time uh, for a bit of a massage. And the first time I went there, it was like the Bali Bells and Smells type. And uh, what I didn't realise is that not, they not only did uh, relaxation, but they also do remedial. And so I went in for a nice relax and I got booked into a remedial. And <laughs> I came out there so sore I could hardly move for a week. Uh, I'm telling you this, what's this got to do with money? Uh, I'm telling you this so we could just be really clear up front that this is not a relaxation message. (laughs) Uh, We're all in need of some spiritual remedial massage when it comes to money. And the way that you know is probably when you saw it on the front cover of your newsletter, or maybe you're a guest with us this morning and you're already subconsciously thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, I looked them up on the internet. They didn't have that there. And of all churches I went to, they're going to have to talk about this this morning. Like the fact that we react to money in the way that we do is proof to us that, uh, that, that it pushes in on sore spots in the soul uh, where we flinch. We flinch when we talk about money. And so the whole aim of this series is, is just look simply that we would talk about money enough and candidly enough that it's just not awkward. That, that ultimately we work into it or allow Jesus to work into us with a little bit of the elbow into our souls so that, that we get the freedom back that we desire, the range of motion, and that it doesn't hurt anymore when we talk about this. Um, but most, more specifically... The reason that we're talking about it now is for very good reason. On uh, September 8th, we'll have a celebration Sunday. And on that day, uh, we are going to talk about money and we are going to call you to commit. If you're a part of the Northside family, we're going to ask you, if you call this place home, maybe to start giving for the first time. Uh, We're going to call you, if you call Northside home, to uh, consider giving on a regular basis if you give from time to time. And we're going to call you if you call Northside home and you do give regularly and every week like so many faithful people in this place. We're going to call you to consider your giving and whether or not you can take another step forward in faith for God. And the reason we want to talk about this now is that, you know, whenever you get to those points and the pastor gets up and talks to you and and has a call like that and says, we want to call you to this and we paint a picture of God's future for our church, it can be very easy to respond to the this. Don't you reckon? And, and, and for me, I, I know the litmus test of success for on that day for us. Like the worst possible thing that could happen on that day when we're called to commit is, is that you and I give because Sam's been compelling or, or the videos look slick or the stories were great. Instead of taking the time now to ask ourselves a question ahead of time, what does God say? What does Jesus say about our relationship? To money, our attitude towards it, how we're supposed to react to it, what we're supposed to do with it, or how much we're spending on ourselves, how much we're giving away. And so that's why we want to talk about it now up front so you can make your own decision between you 
and God when it comes to your finances. And so, you know, it would maybe surprise you. I, I'm not sure if, if, if you don't really read the Bible or you're new to Christianity. Would it surprise you that Jesus talks about money more than anything else? Of his 38 different stories in the Bible, we call them parables in church land, but of his 38 different parables, 16 of them were dedicated to talking about money. And so money matters. Money matters not only to us because we've got to deal with it every day, but money matters to God. And so Jesus is constantly talking about money. And he talks about money more than he talks about sexuality. He talks about money more than he talks about hell. He talks about money more than he talks about morality and all the big things that people think that Jesus talks about. He talks about money. And part of the reason is this. Money is a big problem. We'll, we'll pick this up next week. But money's, money's a big problem. The, f- the first, first problem is that the money blinds us so we don't think that we are as rich as we really are. You know the statistics say uh, that if you earn over 45,000, uh, 50,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of the wealthiest people in the world. Top 1%. If you earn over 44,000 to 46,000 per year, you're in the top 4%. You can see the sliding scale here. The part of the biggest issue is that all of us, and I can feel like this at times, all of us don't feel like we're rich. We don't think we're rich, but I know in the context that we're in that for most of us, most of us that are hearing this this morning, you are in the top 1% richest people in the world. Uh, and so not only that, like not only are we the richest people, but then when we come to understand we're rich, it's very difficult uh, to continually remind ourselves that we're rich. I love the quote that's in your newsletter from the book that we recommend you read from Andy Stanley. He says, you know, if, if money were an over-the-counter prescription drug, it would come with one of those big health warnings on it. You know, warning, you know, it leads, leads to signs of pride and arrogance. You know, w- w- warning is highly addictive. <laughs> money's, money's dangerous and we will see that. And that's why Jesus talks about it so much. But I want to talk to you about a, a principle here this morning that if we really get, can totally rearrange our view and our perspective on money. And this principle, you know, it's really, good, it's really going to call us to recognize that everything or everything that we have is, is from God. And so what are, we, what are we going to do in terms of honoring God with all of our stuff? And, and you know what, if, if just even thinking about this starts to make you feel nervous, <laughs> can I please just pause the sermon? Can, I just, can we have a nice little side chat in all of this? Can we just get this, get this right up front? I want us to be really clear. Jesus doesn't want to take your money. He just wants to make sure that your money doesn't take you. So lock that away. <laughs> um, because... The degree to which we move into the sort of freedom, because God's a giver and, and, and God wants to, God gave us his son, Jesus. And by the way, Jesus is not God's debt collector, for one. Like this, Jesus didn't come down and said, you know, God's collecting. He's not God's debt collector. He, want, he came to give. He came to serve. And part of the way that he gives, he wants to lead us into a freedom with our money and our finances that so many people don't find. And so how, how, we, how we find this is to understand this principle that the success with our wealth is determined by the object or the focus of our wealth. You know, people have lots of 
good and noble objectives for their wealth, right? They, they want to be able to earn a living for themselves. They want to provide for their family. They want to save for a holiday. They want to enjoy the finer things of life, which are all good and noble things. But we've come to realize if, the, if, if those things become ends, then it's very, very dangerous. Um, one, of, one of the things that is both a privilege, but it, it pains you at, at times as a pastor, is that I go to, I go to lots of funerals. I see lots of funerals, and, and it, 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 just about every funeral that I go to, there's always a PowerPoint presentation. Have you noticed that? There's a PowerPoint presentation. You know, PowerPoint, as an ex-accountant, PowerPoint is, is amazing for all sorts of graphs and pie charts and all sorts of things that you can put into PowerPoint to show people what the numbers mean. You know, here's the way that I have never seen PowerPoint used at a funeral. Not once yet. Still waiting on it. I've never seen, when it comes to that time of reflection at a funeral of a person's life, that they put the PowerPoint presentation up and say, this is the way that this person accumulated money and wealth over the course of their life. Has anyone ever seen that? Never use that. What, what do we do when we go to funerals? This, this is what this person meant to us. This is, per, this is how this person invested in the people around them. This is, this is how this person used all they have in order to leave a legacy for themselves, Right? And so, so what we have to understand is that, um, the, that money is a means, not the meaning of life. That's all that we're going to talk about this morning, that money is a means to, not the meaning of life. It's the sort of thing that is there and then it's gone, as Jesus will tell us. And if your money could speak to you, it would say, I'm, money would say to you, I'm not... I'm not the meaning of life, but I, I am the means to life. I'm the means to living a life and a big life. I'm a means and keep it that way. And that's the point that Jesus is trying to make in this funny little story this morning. So Jesus tells, tells this parable, as we call it. And parables are the way that Jesus is teach. He's a way better preacher than I am. Go and, go and read the red letters and you will, of the Bible and you will read the greatest preacher that ever lived. And so Jesus often spoke in stories and he says, I'm going to tell you a story, I'm going to show you a character and I want you to be like this. And the character is the dishonest manager. That's the character that Jesus says, I want you to be like this. And the, as we've read this morning, the story goes in summary format that there is this dishonest manager. He's so dis, uh, dishonest that... Uh, his boss, the rich man, knows uh, that he's going to let him go. He's going to offer him a redundancy. He's like, I've had enough of this guy. I'm giving him his terms. You know, people, uh, p- people know what that feels like, where it's like, you know, I've got, I've got a month left on the job. And so this guy decides on his job uh, that what he's going to do, because he has no friends around the place, he's like, a, he's like a COO and a CFO combined in one. So he both controls the finances for the rich men and the operations. And he says, I, you know what I'm going to do? If, I, if I've got a month left, if someone's given me my notice, I'm going to go around to all the people that don't like me and I'm going to halve all of their debts. Because <laughs> I'm going to be friends with them when I, when I leave. And so the, the whole point of this passage is, uh, in, it's quite a confusing story in the way that we feel about it all, because of the way that Jesus portrays the story. Like the point's really, really clear, but what Jesus says is really confusing. And what Jesus says to us in the story is, I want you to be like that guy. To which we go, hang on, he's dishonest and he's ripped off, he's ripped off his master. Like, aren't we supposed to be the other way around? And that's the whole point, because Jesus is the master storyteller. And so here's the whole point. This is the verse that confuses us, verse 8. 
The master commended the dishonest manager because he'd acted shrewdly. For the people of this world, those of the world, the ones that don't believe in God, the ones that don't think there's an eternal life, they're more clever in dealing with their own kind uh, than, the, than are the people of the light, than are the, the, the people of God. And so I tell you, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. To which we go, huh? Are you feeling that? I told you Jesus is a better preacher than I. <laughs> What's the deal with that? Why the heck does he get commended for all of this? And here's the answer. The shrewd manager took his limited time and opportunity and he was commended for taking full advantage of that time and opportunity and we're supposed to do the same. You see, because he got served, he noticed, he's like, I've got, a, I've got like a month left to do something with these resources that God's put in my hand, so I better do something about it. Use it. And Jesus is paralleling what he wants us to hear. You and I, I have to deal the bad news to you today. The mortality rate is still at 100%. It means above each and every one of your heads is a little imaginary ticking time clock to say that there is one less second that you have left between now and that moment when you possibly meet Jesus face to face. And Jesus gets this and he says there is limited time, there is limited opportunity in this life to do things that have eternal significance. Do it now, right? Does that make sense? So the point's really quite clear when we understand the way that he's trying to shock us in, into all of this. And so then the degree, therefore, that we get this principle that there's limited time and limited opportunity will be the degree to which we get Jesus' next point. And we're going to listen up really clearly. Uh, before I go there, I want to say quickly too, like if you... If you're not a Christian, if someone's invited you this morning, you've turned up to church and you've served, searched this on the internet and you're here, uh, here's what I want to say to you. You don't have to do this, okay? <laughs> I don't hear me telling you that you have to do anything of what we're about to talk about because I don't have any authority over you. And, and frankly, if you're not a follower of Jesus, then Jesus doesn't have any authority over you. But, um, but no, too, you'll see that there's a lot of what Jesus says that makes common sense. So listen up. There's some takeaways from Jesus in all of this. But if you are a follower of Jesus, he says here, I tell you, which in Jesus' language is like, listen up, class. <laughs> listen, listen, because this is really important. Jesus is saying, I, I want you to get this. He says, and he leans in, he gets really specific, and he says, look, I tell you, so if you've been trustworthy in handling your worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? To which you and I read this and we go, hang on, Jesus. And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, someone else's property, hang on, my money's my property. My money's mine. Like, you know, money to me, I am to money like Gollum is to his precious. My precious. <laughs> it's mine. And what Jesus is saying in verse 12 there is, is the absolute concept that anyone who's a Christian gets, and this is this, that you are a steward of God's money. In other words, you know, Jesus is saying to you and I this morning, if we're followers of his, uh, you're a steward of my money, you're, you're a fund manager. Look, some of you have just received a whole new profession this morning. You go out to work, what do you do for a living? I'm a fund manager. 
You could say that, that this morning. But Jesus says, you're a fund manager. The Greek word oikonomos literally meant when he talked about the parable of the shrewd manager. There's a rich man whose manager, oikonomos, was accused of wasting his possessions. Oikonomos meant manager of the household, but it literally meant steward. You are a steward of God's resources. You're a fund manager. And what Jesus is trying to say to us is if you are someone here that sits this morning and believes there is a God and he sent his son Jesus into the world and he taught us this and we understand that there's an eternal reality, then we have to understand that all of these is God's resources. To which we go, no, it's my money. I earned it. And to which I say to you one of two things. First of all, please do not make me tell the dead cat principle again. Right. If, if you don't understand the dead cat principle, then you've just got to go ask a Northsider over coffee uh, or go and listen to one of my old podcasts. <laughs> right? But most of us should understand this principle by now. Uh, but, but what I mean by this is when we say, oh, well, hang on, this is, this is my money. Here's my question for you. Well, how did you earn that money? To which you say, well, I worked hard for it. I worked in my job. To which I say to you, well, how did you get the job? Well, I studied hard at school. I worked very, very hard and I went to university and then I got the job. Or I studied very hard for the job and the qualification and I got it. Okay, well then, who gave you the brains that allowed you to think the way you thought? Ah, well... mm. (laughs) Furthermore, top one percenters, many of us, can we we just call a spade a spade and realise it is purely by God's grace that you and I are living here in the lower North Shore of Sydney and not on a mountainside somewhere in Tibet. Hmm? Just making sense? That's how practically Jesus is talking to us. He says, you, you're, you're stewards. And besides, you wait until you hear the terms of this deal. Like, this is the best deal. If you're in finance, this is the best deal you could ever take. Because Jesus' deal with being a fund manager for him goes like this. And basically his deal, if it's in biblical proportions, is that he's going to gift you by God's grace, seeing as we've just established that, he's going to gift you all of these resources and all of the resources that come into your hands, you get to keep 90%. (laughs) And he's only asking you to give about 10% away. Does that sound like a good deal? I, like, I don't know a Sydney cider that wouldn't love a deal if they walked down into the CBD and someone said to them, I've got a, a million bucks that's going to come in. The deal is you get to keep 90% of it, go and, and distribute it how it will and just give me back 10%. That's a cracker of a deal, don't you think? <laughs> it's the deal that so many people in this place have so wonderfully got. But, but it's a great, it's, it, we understand that we are stewards of the funds that God Gives us, And can you see that when we take this perspective into our finances, this is so much more than just a minister asking you for money. This is so much more than Jesus just asking you for money. There are eternal implications in all of this. Part of the reality, if you're anything like me, is I know that I, I push up against the practicalities of this. And we'll talk about this as we go on throughout this series. Because, you know, in my life, like it's 10 cents in the dollar I can do. I can do I can do I can do ten dollars in the in the hundred. Once I start getting to the hundred in a thousand, thousand in the ten thousand. Can you feel in the tension? I can tell you've all gone wonderfully quiet. 
Whenever you and I feel that tension, that is a telltale sign that we are drifting back into ownership, not stewardship. And the constant wrestle for us and why we will always talk about money as a church is because we naturally do that. My precious. It's... Well, it gets a hold of us. We'll talk about that next week. But you're a fund manager for God and there are eternal implications in all of this. And so therefore, it must and it has to mean, if that's the case, then the natural question for us if we're getting this is, how can I leverage all that God is giving me, giving me, giving me for ends that are eternal, ends that are not me? How, how can I leverage all that, that I've got from God to do things that are not me? And, you know, again, when I think about that, I get the logic. I understand it. I get it biblically. This has been my personal wrestle when I go through this sort of stuff. I, I get it. But just knowing that sort of stuff alone is, is not enough to make me want to open my wallet. That's the thing for you and I. We, we get this. We understand this. But we, we constantly need to, to be compelled by something greater than that. And many of you have understood this. Many of you get this. I know this because we stand here today upon the generosity of people that have gotten this. People that have understood this critical factor that there is a joy. There is a joy that flows when we turn our stuff into stories. There is a joy that flows when we turn our stuff into stories. And that is exactly what Jesus was saying here. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. This sounds like he's saying, use your wealth to manipulate people, doesn't it? <laughs> like, use, use your wealth to, to manipulate. It's not what he's saying. He says, do that to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. What he's, what he's saying is that this manager has been commended because it was his genius to convert his stuff into stories. And that is exactly what will happen when we get to September 8th and when we do it every year on Celebration Sunday. What are we doing on Celebration Sunday? We're celebrating the ways in which a bunch of faithful people have taken their stuff and through the church converted it to stories. And I, I think even in just personally in the, the last year you know I, I know that there would be people that would think why the heck would we get involved with a church in Taramara why would we do that why would we put ourselves at risk at all of that why would we go spend money and, and that, that's part of the reality at, at this stage in that, that that congregation's life that it's it's costing us more in there than we're receiving but why would we go and do something like that and like we're not we're not we're only just a year in next week and I've already got the answer for that because I, I can tell you personally, and that's what we want to share with you, is that I've already got a hundred more stories in my memory bank because we took that step of faith. There are stories of people that have been holding out in hope that God would work a miracle up in that place and he has. There are stories of people who are going through deep crisis, deep health crisis with family and who have remained positive and steadfast in the midst of it because of their faith. I oh, thank God for that story. We, we've, we've, you've read them in the newsletter. You know, people that have been baptised because of the connection with us and that church. Like There's like a hundred stories. And, and, and when we look at all of that, that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. Leverage the resources that you've got. Don't hold on to it. Don't bank it in there. Understand I'm a God of abundance. Take that and go invest it into processes that go and turn that stuff into stories. That's exactly, and isn't that exactly what church is all about? <laughs> the, the, the craziest thing is, 
you know, I'm being honest with you, it's never fun being a pastor talking about this sort of stuff. I don't like talking about it. That's why I said it's what Jesus says about money. I'm just a mail boy this morning. I'm just delivering the message. You know, and I had that sort of attitude until I read this and I thought about what Jesus was saying. And I thought to myself, you know what, if, if, that's, if that's what giving on a regular basis is, if that's what offerings and investment into church is, <laughs> converting stuff to stories and the stories that we've seen, I thought to myself, come on, Sam, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? <laughs> right? Who wouldn't want to be a part of a place where every, everywhere else it's every man for themselves? Who wouldn't want to be a part of a place where you know that your investment goes into changing people's lives? And so that's what we're talking about in these coming weeks. But most importantly, we do it, you know, not just because of that, but also for a fundamental perspective on money that Jesus gets. And he says, invest it into these things, turn your stuff into stories because relationships are the only thing that lasts. He says, I tell you, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. A couple of things there, underline when it's gone, it's not going to stay forever. Your money, you know, even if, if what he's really saying there is that there is no safe investment. Even if you took everything that you had and put it into a safety deposit box and you buried it two kilometers under the ground in a mountain in Switzerland somewhere, at some point in the future of the world, that thing's going to be reduced to pebbles. <laughs> right? So that when it's gone, so that when you're gone and it's left in a bank account for people that know you to fight over, is what he's saying, right? Seriously. You'll be up there celebrating with him. It's like you're not going to care about it. So when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now, what's interesting too, when he says you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings, notice he doesn't say you'll be welcomed into streets paved with gold or you'll be welcomed into a swimming pool full of Skittles, which is what I thought heaven was when you get up to heaven as a kid, <laughs> just swimming Skittles. Maybe it is. <laughs> And what's, what's heaven? Have you seen how, how Jesus is defining heaven in that passage there? What's heaven? Here it is. You ready for the definition of heaven? Friends. Friends. People. Relationship. The genius of what Jesus is saying is that this is not going to last forever. And so the genius why this manager gets, gets commended is because he takes all this stuff, which is not going to be there anyway, and he, he, his genius translates it into friendships. And isn't that exactly what we do in the church when we give our offerings every, every single week? We, we are investing into a place where we hope and we pray, if you're part of the leadership of this church, that there will be someone new, a guest, someone who's part of this, someone who is totally strange to us. And church is a place where I've defined it once before as a place where we turn stranger into friends and we turn friends into family. We turn stuff into stories. And so Jesus says, take all the limited time and the limited stuff that you've got and invest it into things that matter and are eternal. And we, we understand how important this, this, this is. You know, he's saying to us, guys, it's more important from my perspective, and it's more important from your perspective to have more people in your life than you do money in the bank. And you know this dynamic, because you know, what, what do people say if, if tragically they lose their house? I don't know, they've got a, a house down there and it falls into the sea at Collaroy. Or, or, they, or they lose their house in a fire. You know, what, what do people say if everyone's fine and, and the house is burnt down? What do they say? Look, the house is gone, but 
everyone's okay. Relationships. Relationships. There is no investment that lasts in this. There is nothing in this world, no investment, no asset, no fund, nothing in this world that lasts except for relationships. And so Jesus says, if you are as smart as all the smarty pants out there that don't even believe in me, invest into that. And so where it leads us this morning then is this. If, if it's not going to last, if we have limited time on earth, if we are just stewards of what God is giving us, then to what ends do you want your life to be a means? To what ends do you want your life to be a means? And look, I, I don't even know what you're thinking. I don't even know some of you. I don't know what you're thinking, but I know what you're not thinking. You're not thinking in the answer to this question, well, I hope they do a really snazzy graph PowerPoint at my funeral. <laughs> right? Or I know what you're not thinking. You're not thinking, I hope they get up and say, well, at least he was fashionable. <laughs> at least he'd accumulated some stuff. No, you, you and I want legacy. We want relationship. We want lives that matter. And the degree to which we will reorient it and shift our hearts, and we constantly have to be doing this, the way that we do that is based on the answer to this question. And so that's all I want you to work on this week. Uh, like I said to you, this is remedial massage. So week one, this is just like the warm-up with the hot towel. Right? <laughs> you thought we were getting heavy. This is just the warm-up with a little bit of effleurage, spiritual effleurage. You know, we're just, we're just, we're just warming you up. We're just, we're just getting ready to, to move in because we're going to talk about greed next week and so it gets a little bit heavier. Actually, I probably shouldn't have told you that because then we're going to have like five people turn up. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's across the road at Rough and Bear. Like, what are you doing here? Oh, Sam's talking about greed this week. So, you know, come here, it's safe. No, it's good. Come to church next week. Um, but this is the question. This is your homework class. This is all you've got to do this week. Notice there's no, there's no quiet music. There's, there's no big band that's about to play. There's no commitment cards on the seats. It's coming. It's not this week. I want you to do your homework first. Answer this question in your quiet time. In fact, answer this question in your community group. In fact, this is why we have community groups. Like if money blinds us, you think you're possibly going to work out money by yourself? You, um, join a community group. Register online this week and ask each other the question if being a means to an end is what gives life meaning to what ends do you want your life to be a means? So I'll leave that with you. Let's continue to think and pray upon that in these final moments of silence. Let's pray. Lord, I'm asking that each and every one of us now, within the sound of my voice, whether it's on the podcast, whether it's here in the moment now, Father, as we move from the corporate and the hearing of your word now to our individual time of ministry with yourself, that I'm conscious that there is a bunch of individual hearts right now that are getting prepared to do business with you. And I would pray, Father God, that each and every one of us, including myself, would be open and have the courage and the conviction to ask you into this moment to do with us what you would, will, would, Father, and that you would reveal to us the places and the spaces in which this has got a grip and got a hold upon us. 
Father, show us through our reactions and our emotions and the arguments and the wrestles of all the things that we've heard now in, in this time together this morning. Reveal to us the things that are gripping us in this area, Father. And the Lord, I would pray that we would each have a posture of preparedness, of openness, as we move into these coming weeks. And with a deep sense of anticipation, Father, knowing that you are a good God and a God that gives, a God that is for us, that there must be something on the other side of the things that we fear so much in this topic. And so, Lord, I would ask that you um, lift us by your Holy Spirit into some of the realities of that vision, not only now, but in these weeks to come. Do your work now, Father, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.